2: They are who we thought they
3: were, and we let them out the hook. I get out of hand. Just, just tell me I'm a jerk and shut up. Just
1: go scatter the West right Titans. F left, three seventy two Y sticks. six five. The Matt Wyatt Show. He's Radio Wyatt. Well, I'm a
3: gonna go to college. I'll just play football. Here we go. Hour number two of the show, Off and Running. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio with you. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau. Farm Bureau Insurance throughout the great state of Mississippi. Your hometown heroes, local insurance agents. Check them out at favrates.com. This show connected to you because of C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. CSpire customer inspired at CSpire. Hey, um, you can be a part of the show. Lots of ways for you to do that. You can text me on the country, please, and text line. It is 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number, 885-ESPN. If you need the number, it's 885-3776. Also, uh, give me a shout. I'd love to hear your voice on the Divinity Equipment phone. It's 995-1059. That's how you call the show, and we'll put you on the air. 995-1059, the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment Highway 51 in Madison, Spring Ridge Road in Jackson. Told you this before, but they have the spring stock out. You know why. Because you're going to be mowing before you know it. That's right. So, obviously, all the new Kubota mowers and... Look, it's still February. The entire month of February, they are having a huge discount on the right standing mowers. Now, this is primarily for you folks who are in commercial stuff. You got the big jobs, and you know what I'm talking about. The right standers is hugely popular. They kind of have the corner on the market of these stand-up mowers. At Divinity Equipment, 18% off of all right standers for the entire month of February. So obviously, that is still going on. You need to take advantage of that. Why you can, if you can, why you can. In about two, three minutes, we're going to have Parrish Alford on, who covers Old Miss for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. But first, Roger, I just thought I would just give you a story that it's not really funny, but I think you may kind of see the irony in all this and chuckle. Roger, you and I are both older. You're a little older than me, not much. But we're obviously old enough to remember the very beginnings of McGruff, the crime dog. You remember McGruff?
1: McGruff, yeah. Had the overcoat on.
3: Uh, That's right. uh, That's Jenny. But that's not
2: Jenny's dad. If she gets into that car, you may be looking at Jenny for the last time. Hi, I'm McGruff. This is where my office is. You knew
3: that, because you can read. McGruff the Crime Dog cartoons on Saturdays all this listen to this a story from Galveston Galveston oh, Galveston sing it Is that like Glenn Campbell Glenn Campbell man John Morales the actor who played the crime fighting cartoon character McGruff the Crime Dog has been sentenced to 16 years in prison stemming from a 2011 arrest in which he, in which police seized get this Roger 1,000 marijuana plants, 27 weapons, including a grenade launcher. (laughs) and He didn't want Jenny getting in that van. (laughs) And 9,000 rounds of ammunition from his home. And where
1: was he living? Galveston, Texas. Oh, okay. Mm I didn't know which was worse. California would be the guns that they were really getting them for. Right. This all happened
3: on this day. Uh, back in, I think it was back in 2014. But I, I have these things, these links that you know pop up uh, from time to time that give me. It's I have subscribed to it somewhere along the way, and they give me. It sends me these historical references. So it was on this day back in 2014 they sentenced that guy to 16 years in prison. The guy who was the voice actor of McGruff the Crime Dog. A thousand marijuana plants, twenty-seven weapons, including a grenade launcher, and nine thousand rounds of ammunition. He was forty-one at the time, so that make him what forty-seven now, forty-six or forty-seven now, depending on what his birthday is. Anyway, I never somehow I totally missed that a while back, but I used to love McGruff the Crime Dog. And then I love that Fred McGriff went to the Braves in the 90s and became Crime Dog McGriff. <laughs> Do totally different things there. Anyway, so supposedly that's a true story. Sheriff Jim on the uh, country-pleasing text line. Says, Matt, love the show. I agree about state baseball team. Way too early to panic. Young team with growing pains. They will be fine. I think they'll be fine. He also says, I believe that McGruff felt someone taking a bite out of crime. (laughs) Can't make me laugh like that. I can't stop coughing right now. Thank goodness for a cough switch. Yeah, they took a bite out of crime, huh? They took a bite out of crime dog right out I of his the, hide.
1: I thought the story was going another direction, and I actually thought that was a happier ending, but the, your ending. <laughs> because I, I did want to hear that he had gone around in a van picking up, some, you know, kids. Right, a, exactly. A exactly. stash of porn or something like that. Yeah,
3: you know, pick, yeah.
1: kidnapping. So it's Dude, actually a happy ending. <laughs>
3: yeah. I mean, we're not saying that. It's any less of a crime. You're just saying we didn't want to hear that he did the things he preached against. But holy exactly. cow, man. At least he's not a hypocrite. What in the world <laughs> is he doing with a thousand marijuana plants and a grenade launcher? What well, kind of, I mean, just weirdo do you have to be?
1: Well, if you took the marijuana out of it, I'd just say he was from Texas. <laughs> right? They love guns in Texas, don't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, they really do. That's a good point. And they need them in parts of Texas.
3: Well, look, if you have a thousand marijuana plants growing on Uh, Maybe you need something to run people off. I don't know. That's a good point. (laughs) Money
1: does grow on trees, apparently.
3: (laughs) Okay. Let's see if we can transition it back over to sports, shall we? On the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, we have Parrish Alford, who covers Ole Miss for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal and he got to see a heck of a baseball game last night. Parrish, I really do appreciate some of your time. Uh a one run win for Ole Miss last night over Southern Miss in baseball. Uh it was a heck of a heck of a ball game, a little back and forth, very competitive, wasn't it?
2: It was very competitive. Very good game and uh, you know, some timely hitting for Ole Miss. Not uh not a lot of hits, just five on the evening, but a uh, big home run in the seventh by Hayden Leatherwood, and they were able to make it stand up.
3: Yeah. What do you kind of overall make of this Ole Miss baseball team to this point?
2: Well, I think the key here is they've got to have new guys produce. You know, they lost so much offensively from last year's team. They had to have some of these guys come in and just hit the ground running and and hit from the beginning uh, and not go through a lengthy period of acclimation. And, uh, and they've been able to do that with some of these Juco guys that they have, uh, that they have plugged in. And lots of times, Matt, you'll see a junior college pitcher come in and, and really kind of uh, make an impact in his first year mm-hmm. uh, after uh, the two year level. You don't see it as much with hitters, but, uh, But you're seeing it with Ole Miss right now with Cale Baker and Hayden Leatherwood and Ben Van Cleave, all of them uh, getting off to a good start here and barreling up some balls. Mm -hmm. And uh, they're going to need those guys to uh, continue and to build on what they've done so far.
3: Parrish Alford on your radio right now. Y'all can follow him on Twitter. Just spell his name out at Parrish Alford. Also, Hook up with Parrish and other Ole Miss fans on Facebook. It's the Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford. You can join that group, and uh, they're active every uh, week and throughout the week. It's a good group. Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford. Again, that on Facebook. You know, um, the the um, the ability for this team to hit home runs, I'm not sure anybody predicted that in the preseason. Do I have it right, Parrish? I think they've hit more than anybody else in the country right now
2: yeah, I don't think uh, anybody really saw this coming again. You know, you you go through uh, a January and early February, and you're looking at the intra-squads, and uh, you know, you, you hear the coaches say, well, we're hitting well, but they, you just never know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like spring football. You're out there playing yourself, man. You just never know until you see live pitching uh, from some other guys, and uh, you know, they've gotten off to a great start. And you know, look, uh, these home runs, man, sometimes <clears throat> hitters like this are, uh, a high reward. But, mm-hmm. uh, look, that home run might only come around every six or seven or eight or 10 at that. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> not mm-hmm. six or seven. Uh, you take a guy like Kale Baker, you know, he had a two home run game, second game of the year. He's hit two more since then. That, that's a, that's a good pace. And 27 at-bats, he's also struck out 10 times. Yeah. So the, the key for these guys, and I'm thinking of, of Baker specifically, is, you know, you're only going to get so many pitches in an at-bat. You know, they're going to pitch you low. They're going to pitch you uh, outside. You know, when they get one in your wheelhouse, you've got to not miss. You, you've got to take advantage of that pitch, that you're going to get in that at bat, and uh, and just be productive with it. And uh, you know, these guys are going to have to make some adjustments as um, as other teams learn about them and pitch them differently and more carefully. But if they all continue to swing as they have, then that's going to help the whole group. That's going to help the freshmen too, because you, you can't pitch around everyone.
3: That's right, Parrish, After seeing them last night, what do you make of the Southern Miss team?
2: You know what? Uh, I know that they were struggling with the flu over the weekend, so uh, mm. I didn't know exactly, uh, you know what uh, what to expect from them last night. But they got uh, got some good pitching from some young guys, and uh, you know Montenegro there at the top of the lineup is always a threat. Uh, you know, I think I think they'll come around. I don't think they're hitting as well as. Uh, as they want to, or as they will, but uh, I think they can. Uh, they're they're going to get better.
3: Yeah, I think they got a pretty good ball team. Um, yeah, you know, felt like they were a little maybe underrated according to some, but always a threat to win conference USA. Parrish, and I think we're seeing it already with Ole Miss. I, you know, I know early in the pre. Well, I say early in the preseason, just in the preseason, leading into the start of the season. Ole Miss, either unranked in a poll here or there, maybe one or two of them had them at 25, and it just felt low for a team that was, you know, has a, a number two ranked recruiting class in there, has a Friday night starter back in there, a 20-year veteran head coach, and it I think they've already shown already that they're better than, you know, 24th or 25th. Yeah,
2: what surprised me about the preseason rankings was that – uh that Ole Miss wasn't really getting much of the benefit of the doubt from winning 41 games and making a super regional last year, Mm -hmm. because those preseason rankings typically are a lot about reputation and what you've done in the past and what you've done in the year before, because everybody is going to be different to a degree. Uh, Now, yes, Ole Miss lost a lot off of that team. and, And so I didn't, uh, didn't expect them to be ranked very highly in preseason, but uh, 25th and uh, left out of some polls. I thought that was uh, a little bit extreme just because of the body of work that uh, Mike Bianco has put together through the years and uh, how competitive they are typically on an annual basis. Now, there's a lot of change on this team, and they're relying on a lot of uh, of you guys not only – uh you know as hitters a lot of young pitchers as well uh you know and and so i know that played into it but i was a little surprised that there wasn't uh more preseason buzz about this team because of the ranking of the recruiting class and because of uh what they did last year
3: that's right well, that's I guess polls are what they are. We pretty much find that out every yeah. year, I guess. You know something I'm not used to, Paris, is um, when I watch the Ole Miss games. I'm still not used to seeing Mike Bianco with all that facial hair, <laughs> the the beard and the. I'm just not used to it. Yeah. It's a new look, you know.
2: Yeah. And, but, so it's, it's different, but uh, you know, hey, look, man, I guess we all change a
3: little bit in 20 years. Huh? <laughs> if that's it. I. I sh- just because I can close my eyes and picture him twenty years ago, because we were covering the team, does not mean I should expect him to look the same. Yeah, I got to give him a little credit. To mm-hmm. he can age yeah. like the rest of us. Uh, Parish offered on your radio right now. Hey, um, real quick, Parish, uh, Kermit Davis, Ole Miss basketball. What what do they have to play for right now?
2: I think what they need to play for right now is uh, is pride and momentum uh, going into. Next season. You know, when they won those three straight games at home in really dominant fashion, they breathed life back into the season a little bit, but, uh, you, you know, you can't leave it there, and that's where it was. They weren't able to close those games on the road, and then they had that uh, uh, unexplainable uh, loss against Alabama at home, just, you know, just looked so totally disengaged, mm-hmm. you know, and, like you know, so look, this isn't about uh, postseason or anything right now. It's about you know play as long as you can, as hard as you can, and you know, and and hope that uh, Brian Tyree can continue to have some good games down the stretch and go out on high note. Uh, obviously, last night was not one of his better games, but uh, that's what you're playing for. But the bigger thing is, look, this is a program that is rebuilding. Uh, last year was a gift was ahead of schedule. Uh, they had a, an NBA player on that roster that turns out was probably better than people were giving him credit for. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, and Corman got those guys on a roll with that uh, 10-game winning streak early. and They won some big, uh, big games that turned out to be Quadrant One wins. Uh, and so at the end of the season, you know, we're thinking, man, they need to win that Missouri game to get in the tournament. It turns out they probably would have gotten in the tournament without that game because mm-hmm. of the other wins that they had. You know, they they won that game and they became an eight seed. You know, well, yeah. this is still a team that that is rebuilding, and there were a lot of boxes that they had to check if they were going to get back in the tournament this year, and they didn't check any of them. Yeah, you know, they had to have freshmen play above their uh, class. They had to have a lot from Hadim C, and he's just been okay. Uh, they had to have uh, Devontae Schumer take a step forward, and he really has not. Had to stay injury free. There's so many things that uh, that had to happen for this team that did not. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they need to do right now is not let the season just get completely away from them. You know, knock off somebody down the stretch, play well, take some confidence into the offseason. And it's going to be similar next year. They'll have some of these guys that be older. You know, I'm interested to see what they get out of offseason. Crowley, and Sammy Hunter in year two. Luis Rodriguez will be back next year. He was a big piece they've missed uh, since uh, his injury early in the season. But they need Matthew Morrell next year, uh, a four-star shooting guard, to come in and play like a sophomore. Yeah. You know, They, they just have to have that. Now, NCAA tournament teams, all of them are going to have impact freshmen. Yeah. And, uh, and Ole Miss needs a couple of impact freshmen next year, and he needs to be one. Yep. And also, you know, you got a guy like Sean Robbins from That's going to help too.
3: Yeah. You know, and I just go back to, and I know they've lost four in a row now, but that's on the heels of that three game win streak. And during that streak, you know, they when they beat South Carolina, Florida, and Mississippi State one, two, three, and all three of those wins for Ole Miss were blowouts, not even close games, just blew the doors off. And then they turned around and had a great close loss, if you can call it that, at Kentucky. You just thought, man, this team has figured it out, but it's kind of back to old form. Um, and I guess, I guess, Paris, the most exciting thing in the last few weeks has been watching an 84-year-old woman make a 94-foot putt during halftime, huh? Yeah. Yeah,
2: well, here's here's something, Matt. Maybe, maybe those two road losses, Kentucky as close as they were in a game that they really had to have yeah. if they were going to uh, get back into any postseason conversation. Then at Missouri, another game in the final seconds, last possession that you don't win. Maybe those games took a little more out of you going into Alabama, mm-hmm. maybe. But mm-hmm. go back to that three-game win streak. In the South Carolina game that they won by 14 points, They still didn't guard the paint. Make Coatsar, when he put the ball on the on the ground and dribbled and penetration, he just he got to the rim and he finished. Had about twenty points in that game. The Florida game, all right, was a different style of game. It was a physically officiated kind of game that we don't see anymore. Bodies on the floor, very different since the league has started to emphasize freedom of movement and all of that. You know that style right now plays into Ole Miss's strength. You know if they can play physical, because their biggest problem is fouling in the post. Mm-hmm. You know teams teams that penetrate and get to the rim. That, that's what teams are doing to them right now. Alabama shoots all those threes. They had forty points in the paint against Ole Miss. Auburn had thirty-eight last night. Yeah. So you know Ole Miss played extremely well in those three games, but there were some factors that. Uh, you know there are some factors in that
3: streak no doubt parish really appreciate your time man thank you thanks a
2: lot have a good
3: day you too that's parish Alford, northeast daily journal covers ole miss parish Alford on twitter Just spell out his name hey coming up based on where you're from if you had won the masters and you could design the menu for the masters champions dinner what would be on the menu You know, like a taste of home for you. What would be on it? Text me and let me know, 885-ESPN. I'll tell you why I'm asking coming up. Stick around.
1: You're listening to
2: The Matt Wyatt Show.
3: Back on the show. I'm Matt in the Farm Bureau studio. Yeah, I asked you a little bit ago. I got to get the squirrels text on the Country Pleasing text line also. But text me, 885-ESPN. Not if you're driving, but otherwise, text away. 601 number, 885-ESPN. Call me on the Divini phone. I'll give you that number in a bit. If you were the Masters champion and it was your responsibility to design the menu for the Masters champions dinner, what would it be? Because most of them, you know, they try to throw something in there that is kind of an ode to home because these are all international type players. You know, yeah, obviously some of the winners are from here. Tiger Woods, others. You know, like when Adam Scott won it, he's from Australia. He had some stuff that kind of was Australian. You know, so the other champions can kind of eat what that champion eats when he's home. You know, so what would it be? That's the question. I'm going to get to your answers in just a sec. I'll tell you what mine would be. I'll tell you why I'm asking also. I do want to throw one thing at you, though. This was something I tweeted. or I just had a. It's I I don't know if it's a premonition, but I was thinking, and I put this on Twitter, there's some really interesting responses. If you're interested in this kind of thing, you can go see what everybody responded to me. I just said, Dak Prescott would be a great fit with the Patriots. I'm just saying. And yeah, it's a little bit of a. They're
1: gonna swap them out. Brady go to the.
3: Well, it's Dallas. It, look, it's funny you mentioned that, Roger. But just think about this. I just was thinking. That'd be just Dak's luck. That's the way he rolls. Well, he look, just rolls into good stuff. I know it. And the here's the thing: the Patriots are twice the organization that the Cowboys are. That's been proven. Kraft is twice the winning owner that Jerry Jones is. Now, he may not have more money, but in terms of making all the right moves, isn't there's no comparison. And this is something that the Patriots could pull off because the Cowboys might go for it. And that is, let's just trade quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, you've got the young one. He's got a contract coming up. We'll we'll handle that, negotiate with him in New England. You, Jerry Jones, are getting older. That's become obvious. He's even said so much as, you know, the window is starting to close for you in your lifetime to win another Super Bowl. It's got to be now or never. He'll go for it. Jerry Jones would go for it. He'd get stars in his eyes thinking about Tom Brady being his quarterback.
1: And Tom gets to redeem himself right in front of the uh... – you know the American people, and know, from Dak, being the, che- the cheater to the hero, and
3: Dak gets to go to the better organization, with with more of a clue how to put a consistent winner together with a better, with a veteran coach in Belichick who's not going to quit anytime soon, who's going to have a like mindset to what Dak does, and that is no frills, no publicity, just play football and try to win. It'd be perfect. Now it wouldn't be perfect for Dallas. Because they would not win with Tom Brady. I mean, they just wouldn't. They just, he, he's older. He's not what he used to be. But Dallas would go for it. It'd be the ultimate coup if, if you're New England. Anyway, that's my that's why I put that out there. Okay, so the menu thing. Here's the question. What would it be if you were the Masters champion and you had to do the Champions Dinner? Here's why I ask. Tiger Woods reveals Champions Dinner menu... For Tuesday night of Masters Week. They had a conference call yesterday with Tiger Woods. And they asked him, among many other things, Hey, what about your Champions Center menu? Here's what he said. This is a quote from Tiger Woods. Being born and raised in Southern California, having fajitas and sushi was a part of my entire childhood. So I'm going back to what it did in 2006. He said, we'll have steak and chicken fajitas, and we'll have sushi and sushi and sashimi out on the deck and i hope the guys will enjoy it roger what is
1: sashimi i think that's just the the fish itself without the rice and all that the fish itself without what without the, the you know the rice and the vegetable when they roll it up ah, okay just bite a fish well you know sometimes they'll serve it in a bowl with uh, okay fish eggs and all right uh different types of fish and call it shirashi bowl
3: i'm all you know on- i think
1: people are overthinking it i I would go with a ribeye steak, baked potato, maybe some corn on the cob, Uh a little broccoli.
3: And and if somebody said, hey, Roger, you're from Mississippi, is this Mississippi food? It sure is. Yeah, we eat everything
1: here. (laughs) I grew up on a cattle farm. I don't know about you.
3: (laughs) I would be all in on these steak and chicken fajitas. That's one of my favorite things in the wide world. I would not be all in. The only thing I want on the deck with sushi and sashimi is a fishing pole and a hook. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's all it's good for is bait. Now that's just one man's opinion. It's very I'm in the very much the minority. Sushi is a very popular thing for a lot of people, but not me. Uh, now they went on and asked him about dessert. He said, I'm debating whether or not to have milkshakes as desserts, because that was one of the most great memory great memories to see Gene Sarazin and Sam Snead having milkshakes that night in '98. <laughs> He, when he won in '97, he was 22 years old. They had milkshake. He's talking about seeing Sam Snead sip on a milkshake. All right, TJ on Twitter says his master's dinner would be porterhouse, mahi tuna, nice vegetable medley, broccoli casserole, choice of apple pie or chocolate almond cake dessert. TJ,
1: I may I may switch up with him, but add banana pudding homemade, Ooh. not the kind out of the box. All
3: right, I here we go a, on a the on the country pleasing text. Sean says, my menu would be barbecue chicken and ribs with some country-pleasing sausage, mac and cheese, potato salad, and banana pudding. There oh, you go. P-Town Chris, I would, he says, I would cater Frisco Deli and Pearl, Mississippi chicken all-fry and wouldn't think twice.
1: P-Town Chris, any relation, I wonder.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I'm Gorilla Barking sure. strikes again. That's right. Let's see. What does Jason say? Jason out in he's from Mississippi, but he's living in Arizona now. And he says on the country pleasing text line, fried pork chops and taters. He says, I ain't, and I'm reading his text. He says, I ain't eating sushi. Me neither. Um the only time <laughs> i I lived in Arizona, I wouldn't either. <laughs> the only time I've ever tried sushi was one time in Tupelo, this is many, many years ago, and a friend of mine who owns a boat dealership, who's all into sushi and at the time I was fishing tournaments and my, my boat came from his place and so I'd gotten to know him and he swore that I would like it and I said I won't like it but I'll give you an honest opinion so I met him in a local restaurant and he bought, ordered them to bring a tray with every single solitary kind of sushi they have and I took bite after bite and I spit bite after bite out It's the awfulest stuff I've ever had you didn't get you the cook kind? No, this was all the real deals, like oh, raw stuff. He
1: was—he—he he ruined it. He's got to ease you into it.
3: Yeah. Well, it, every single thing I put in my mouth, every you
1: know, every
3: alarm inside my head went spit it out, spit it out, get rid of that, spit it out. And it was like,
1: they should have started you on one of you. They got one that they actually batter and deep fry, which would be more down your, you know, Yeah. If, lane. It's,
3: if it's cooked, it's fine, man. I eat yeah. cooked food all the time. It's not eating any raw food. If I were to do, if I were the Masters champion, mine absolutely, 100%, without question, would be, um, we would have pork chops, those great, stuffed, big, maybe. huge, though, no, not the stuffed ones, but just the great, big, huge, thick ones, like two-inch thick pork chops. Like you get at the fair. Yeah, you can, like you can get in the butcher shop. There yeah. at the uh, Country Pleasant. Last time I was there at Country Pleasing in the butcher shop, I got some of those. That's what we'd have. Those big How many huge minutes stick. per side on that, by
1: the way?
3: Well, it 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 varies. Oh, okay. And I am not the expert. You better ask somebody else. You keep uh. turning
1: them till they look right.
3: That's it. I it's a look thing for me. We'd have that. We'd have turnip greens with it. Oh yeah. We'd have cornbread. And but we'd have appetizers before the meal that would involve Pepper Jack and Green Onion Sausage on skewers from Country Pleasing with a little of that cheese and onion on there. Onion. Onion. That's what we'd have.
1: And dessert. Oh, boy. How about some of that uh, Muscadine Ripple
3: Ice Cream? Muscadine Ripple Ice Cream from Mississippi State University. Ding, 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 ding. We have a winner. Now, clean up. We'll be right back. Back on the show, Chris has been hanging on for quite some time on the Davini Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment in Madison on Highway 51 and on Spring Ridge Road in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer. Great folks at Divinity Equipment. They got the full line. You see the big orange fleet there, Kubota. But also New Holland Tractor is a great product. My dad actually owns a New Holland tractor. He loves it. So you not only see orange, but you see some blue out there, some red from Toro. So head on out there and see them. Chris, thanks for hanging on. What's up, man?
0: Man, it ain't a problem, Matt. I'll let everybody know how long I've been hanging on. I've been hanging on since Matt first started talking about sushi.
3: So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um No um I, the one thing I will tell you I wanna ask you this is did the guy get you a bunch of raw fish? Is that what he got you?
3: Yeah, I think that's what it was. And see I know. That a... That's
0: that was sashimi. Sashimi is all raw. Okay. If you hear that then you won't like it. But like, I, I never really wanted to try it either until one day my ex-wife got me to try the, the crawfish. I mean, I don't even really like crawfish unless it's already peeled and cooked. Uh-huh. But if you like crawfish, they have a crawfish roll and they cook the crawfish and then they roll it up in that stuff.
3: Uh huh.
0: Um, but how, man, I just wanted to say that, um, uh, True Maroon, I think I'm still right. I don't care if they lost eight, whatever they lost to us not in baseball. Yeah. still yeah. think we're going to the World Series. They did really good this weekend. Really proud of them. And from what I heard, I mean, I didn't get to listen to the whole game, but from what I heard, that Saturday, Eric Santolo really looked good. And then when we got to our bullpen, the wheels just come off.
3: Well, so, um, you're talking about Sunday. Santolo pitched on Sunday. And what happened with him was yeah, yeah, he, he – just showed this lightning stuff several times again and what it was look it was like he 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 walked more people this time okay so in his first outing his first start last weekend he walked three I think and had eight strikeouts well he's playing a better team this time and he had maybe five or six or seven strikeouts whatever it was but he also had like five walks so there was a few more jams that he was in but even against Oregon State what he showed is He'd go to the stretch, and he'd start putting that fastball or that breaking ball in the strike zone, and nobody can hit it. He he would get out of these jams with people on base just because even if he made several mistakes and walked somebody or whatever, he'd just bear down and put it in the strike zone. Nobody can hit it. Nobody can hit his stuff when he is consistently in the strike zone, and that's why they keep running him out there. But what it is, Chris, is, well, it's like this, um, t might on the country pleasing text says who needs to step up and be the leader, Jake and Big Mac are gone. It they've yeah. had when you look at I mean, Sunday and when you look at the midweek, they do have right now, they have the look of a team that still is wondering, okay, who's the Bell Cow? Who's the who's the big dog? dog? Which which one of us, is it you? Is it me? And they may figure that out, but they have the look of a team who hasn't quite figured that out yet.
0: How about I give you a question to to mull over and think about, maybe bring back tomorrow since we're right at the end of the day? All right. How long and how many errors does Westberg get before they move him back to third and put that, put the other kid over there short?
3: Yeah. Let me ask you this. I mean,
0: because it's just like, I mean, how many times has he booted? Every game, it seems like every game the last couple little bit that I've been listening to. Well, but who are they going to put them or throw them wide? Well, but who's going mean, to play Keegan shortstop? James little, Keegan James's little brother. They're saying he's one of the best shortstops on the whole team. Yeah, yeah.
3: Cameron well, James. Yeah, yeah. When, and they say you know, they got more
0: range. He's got more range than 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 um than Westburg is what I was told by. You know, I know Westberg's fast, but they say that he just plays more fluidly there at shortstop than Westberg does.
3: Well, and but, I mean,
0: I was just wondering.
3: Yeah, and they're playing James at third base and you know, they're starting him as the third baseman. Right. Um right. and maybe a switcheroo helps him up. I I don't know. I they really believe in Westberg. Um and he he had one boot in the Oregon State series. You know, I look, I I am my opinions on this stuff don't matter. But I look at him too, Chris, and I go, man, he's 6'3 and can absolutely fly. He's like a Taylor Mays center fielder for Major League Baseball. They're convinced he's an infielder, and I don't know if he's ever played in the outfield. <laughs> you know, but you give me a kid that yeah. tall who can run that well. It's like I'm watching Rowdy Jordan, you know, like Rowdy tried to run one down. It would have been an, an incredible play if he had made it on that Sunday game, but he's basically on the warning track running full speed at center field, a ball that was almost out of the yard, but it was up against the wall, and he had to go airborne to try to catch it, and he slams into the wall and didn't hang on, and his hat pops off, and I'm looking at it going, that's the kind of ball that Jordan Westberg, he's so fast, he's standing there on a warning track waiting on it. And Right. It, you know, so you have these crazy thoughts. We all start looking for answers when stuff like that happens, and I just think that Maybe they get to a point, Chris, where they have to start doing some switcheroos to try to figure it out. I, it's not yet. I mean, we're still so young. But if this if this continues, they'll have to try something. Right. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, y'all have a great day, and I'll talk to y'all later. All
3: right. Appreciate the call, Chris. Thank you. True Maroon sponded on the country-pleasing text, and he said, two-game losing streak, looking lost in the lineup, and swinging at every pitch, got to do better. You know, y'all, tell me, I had this thought yesterday, and then I was sick and not on the air, so I didn't have a chance to to say it. But do y'all remember the Jake Gotro interview that we had on Monday? We're coming out of a series win, and I'll give you a little insight. I had worked with the Mississippi State people prior to the weekend and reserved us an interview spot and, and I was hoping it was with C- Coach Chris Lamonis. I thought it might be on Monday. We had already decided, like, on Friday I was going to have a Monday interview before we even knew the results of the weekend. And then as we got to it, Jake Gotro was available. I said, sure, I'd love to talk to Jake. And so that's when he came on. So it wasn't like we had you know, called ahead of time and so said we definitely want to talk to the hitting coach. It was just that's who we got a chance to get, get some time with on Monday. And his interview... It wasn't negative, but they're coming out of a weekend where they had won two out of three from a top 25 program in Oregon State. But if you remember, he was majorly disappointed overall. It was not a, we weren't talking to a guy who was very celebratory, who was real happy with the way things had gone. Of course, now Monday, you're coming off a Sunday loss where they didn't really hit the ball. But I think overall he was just not very happy with his hitters on Monday. That's what I took from that interview, and I didn't know that was going to be the case going into it. And then lo and behold, less than twenty-four well, right at twenty-four hours yet later, they had that outing yesterday at the plate, and so they are searching a little bit. They hit a little bit of a, a funk. Now I will remind you. You know, it's early, you can't freak out about early season baseball. I do think they'll be fine. Rowdy Jordan at the top of your lineup has been known to start slow. He did it last year. He started slow, and then back half of the year he was great. Uh, Westberg has had times where, you know, he'll make contact, but he doesn't get a lot of base hits, and then he'll just get on fire for a little while. So they can be streaky. And they just got Tanner Allen back in their lineup. So this yesterday was the second game where he's been back. He's your three-hole hitter. Um, I said it in the first hour. So this is for True Maroon and Chris and everybody looking at it. I'm not a hitting coach. I'm not a baseball coach for a reason. But, and it's easy for us to watch it and make these big evaluations. It's a whole lot easier to watch it and say, well, they need to do this than it is actually go out and do something. But what I was disappointed in the most yesterday was the left-handed at-bats in the lineup. And they had a bunch of lefties, and they're facing this right-hander who's throwing junk for, for Texas Southern. He's, he's throwing an 84-mile-an-hour fastball, but it had a lot of movement on it, right? It had a lot of sink and run. Two-seamers running away from a left-hander and sinking because he's not throwing hard. And just inning after inning after inning of watching left-handed hitters go to the plate. He's intentionally pitching all of them on the outside corner over and over again. And they're trying to pull the ball. You know, swings and approaches, or the front hips flailing out of there down the first baseline. If you look at Josh Hatcher, I mean, there were times where Hatcher's swinging at it like he's trying to pull the fastball. He's missing it off the end of the bat a foot. No chance. And, and just inning after inning of left-handed hitters who would not go up there with an opposite field approach when he's been pitching them away all day, throwing it at 84 miles an hour, and it's spinning away from them and it's just frustrating after the you know the second time through the lineup that they don't make that adjustment and continue to just beat balls into the ground and weak contact trying to you know middle pull stuff that's being pitched away it's just not going to happen now again it's easy for us to say that we're watching it on television or watching it from the stands it's a lot harder to go up there and do it but still at this level they've got to be able to make that adjustment especially all those left-handed hitters where you're just trying to look for solid contact as opposed to weak contact. And I, I think that goes back to some things that Jake Gotro said in that interview. You know, timing and approach. DB on the Country Pleasing Tech says, Sushi is pretty good when you put cornmeal on it and fry it. <laughs> I agree. I'm okay with that. True Maroon says, Rowdy is good, but he needs to be rowdy good and stop trying to be mangum. Lowtown Ghost says the sky is falling.
1: Get out of here, Henny Penny.
3: That's right. All right, good show in the Farm Bureau studio. I enjoyed it. We'll see y'all tomorrow, same time, same place. See you. You've been listening to the Matt Wyatt Show.